Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Welcome everyone back to Light and Life. I know we've had a few like interruptions with, um, you know, it's kind of one of these seasons of getting back from summer, and then we had the festival and Labor Day, so sorry about all the inconsistencies, but now we are starting a four-week series on a very, very important topic, and if you are in college and you're saying, well, I'm not married, I don't need to hear about this, you are the most important people that need to hear about this, okay? So you need to hear this, and for all, anybody, if you're married, if you're not married, if you uh, were formerly married, We have to understand what is God's design of something that is very sacred, that God describes himself as our bridegroom, that marriage to him is a very, very high picture for him. And so um, I pray that all of us can learn to open up our minds. It applies to everyone that we can learn, um, learn so much about the covenant of marriage. Now, to spiritually benefit from marriage, we have to be honest. You have to look at so many disappointments and ugly attitudes, look at your selfishness, and you have to get rid of the the notion that if I just pray away my problems, that everything will go away in my marriage. Like marriage has comes with a lot of a lot of struggle, right? You have people coming from two different worlds, two different backgrounds, two different families, two different upbringings, maybe two different social classes, people coming from different uh, worlds and we are merging two lives together, everybody has their own makeup, the way that God shaped them and built them. And because of that, there's going to be conflict. There's always going to be some tension in that. And we have to understand that there's no just a few simple steps to kind of make your problems go away. We want to look into that a little bit deeper. And because there's this deeper question that needs to be addressed beyond how we can improve our marriage, what if God didn't design for your marriage to be easier? You're saying, what? You want to improve your marriage. Of course, you all want to have happy, joy-filled marriages. But maybe improving your marriage is not the goal. You're saying, how could that be? Why would God not want me to improve a, a not-so-good marriage or a, a not-so-pleasant experience of marriage? It's because possibly God has a different goal out of the struggles that you're going through. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to go a little bit deeper. But it's so important for us to understand, what if God had an end in mind that went beyond your happiness or your comfort or, or, or having this like very, very pleasantville type of life? What if God wants more than that? And that is the goal that you are trying to experience all the time and God is not answering that prayer. Because he wants so much more from your marriage. Now, I don't think anyone who is honest can really just claim, that, oh, we all have perfect marriages. I can't claim that I have a perfect marriage because I am a selfish being. That, that my wife might have tendencies that, that provoke me. I have children in the house. Just any children in the house is enough to, to say that that's, that could really put a damper on your marriage, right? There are things that you could feel that marriage isn't so easy. Marriage is hard work. 
Marriage is very, very rich in experience, but it is very, very difficult. Now, a lot of people, they are looking for romantic love, and they get excited about romantic love. And most people, when they choose a spouse in the beginning, they're actually seeking this romantic connection, this lovey-dovey feeling, this deep emotional bond, um, a cute little couple, and everybody wants to make sure they look the best on their posts that they put on social media. Everybody wants this, but romantic love has no elasticity, meaning it can only be stretched so far. And anybody that has been married for years knows that a marriage can be pulled and pulled and pulled and be pulled beyond your ability. Romantic love is not going to keep you going because romantic love cannot stretch. But mature love, the, the kind demanded of a good marriage, must stretch. You have to understand that we, have, we are sinful humans. Two sinful humans with selfish natures living together with different opinions, different desires, different plans, different expectations, and they are merging together. It's very, very difficult. But marriage reminds you every day of the reality of living as sinful human beings that are radically broken. There is a brokenness in all of us. All of us have some brokenness. And so because of that, you have insecurities, you have defense mechanisms, you have walls, you have anxieties, you have fears, and all of this is in this one bubble of a house, kind of just like challenging each other all day. And so we want to kind of get into what is God's expectation for this? Most people will realize that if you started with romantic love, right, this beautiful, the walks in the parks and the walks on the beach and all of this, you started like that, you'll realize that it doesn't take long for the real exciting moments to just kind of level out and just be kind of normal, basic, not very exciting marriages. And you're like, okay, and glory be to God forever, that's life, <laughs> that's marriage. Like, why, where's the good part? And that's what we want to fix. What we want to fix is your understanding and your mindset in regards to these concepts. St. John Chrysostom, he wrote in his writings and he said, Husbands, tell this to your wives. This is St. John Chrysostom, a man who lived in a cave at one point in his life. He was a patriarch. He was a very holy man. He never got married. Let's listen to this. I fell, he says, husbands, tell this to your wives. I fell in love with the excellence of your soul, which I value above all gold. For a young woman who is discreet and ingenuous and whose heart is set on piety or holiness is worth the whole world. For these reasons, then I courted you and I love you and prefer you to my own soul for the present life is nothing. And I pray and beseech. And do all I can that we may be counted worthy to so live in this present life. That we may be able also there in the world to come to be united to one another with great security. So this is, St. John is, is setting what the expectation of the church is in marriage. 
And a husband should tell his wife that we want to make sure that we may be able also in the world after, in the world to come, to be united to one another with great security. For our time here is brief and fleeting, but if we shall be counted worthy by having pleased God to exchange this life for that one, then shall we ever be both with Christ and with each other with more abundant pleasure. Isn't that beautiful? That he's saying, husbands, when you choose your wife, you say, this is why I have courted you. This is why I've dated you. And this is why I love you. Because of the beauty of your soul. That your soul desires holy things. And this is the concept of marriage in the eyes of God. That when two people, they say that we would not lose this beauty for anything in the world and that we would have the security of this beauty and this love that we share, which is a pure holy love, that it would go even into the next life and that nothing would ever break the security of that. Isn't that so beautiful? But when you are 22, 23, 24, 25, 27, whenever it is you're getting to know the ladies or get to know the young men, is this on your mind? Is this what's on your mind when you're, when you're like stalking everybody's profile pictures and looking at all their pictures and seeing what their parents look like and see what their you know, future kids are going to look like? Like all of this does not reflect really what St. John Chrysostom is painting as a picture for us. You see, there are people that we have to understand that God, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? God designed marriage to make you holy more than to make you happy. Your goal every day is to be happy. And she doesn't make me happy, or he doesn't make me happy, or this made me happy, and so let's keep on doing it. And that's not what marriage is. Marriage is there, it's to make you holy. And this is so important. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says this, For this is the will of God. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will of God is your holiness, your sanctification. That's what God's will is for you. It's not to be happy. Believe it or not, the goods in your spouse, the good qualities that they have are there to make you better. And the bad qualities in your spouse are there to make you better. Do you understand that? That I want you to understand this concept. Sorry, we can move some of the stuff in the front so people can sit. I want you to understand this concept that there are very good things in your spouse that you should be learning from, that you should be absorbing from their life. They have good qualities. They're patient. They're loving. They're, what, they're organized. There's so many qualities in a, in, a, in a spouse that you can look and you can, see, can learn from. But then you say, okay, but they are selfish. And they are insecure. And they have anger issues. What do I do with those? I have to look at that and say, well, those are to teach me patience. I'll tell you a, a story. One time, there was um, some, some, some servants that were here in the area, and they were living a very, very like ascetic life. They were servants. They, were, they didn't want to get married, and they were doing their thing. And I was in a very difficult bind one time when Sherry's mom was passing away. Sherry had left me with three kids for 10 days. 
okay? And I had, Sherry was in Michigan caring for her dying mother. And I had the three boys. I think Joshua was three. Timmy was like six and Daniel was like eight. And so I was going crazy. I, I was really going crazy. And they had school and their lunches and their whatever, pack this. Even when, when, I had to, when we went to go see, when we went to, to Michigan, I packed like one t-shirt for one and shorts for another, and one sock for this kid, and one, like, everything was a mess. And Sherry's like, what is this? I'm like, I don't know, I'm stressed, I don't know how to do it. And I was, like, so overwhelmed. And these servants said, Abuna, is there anything we can do for you? And I was like, I'm going to test them. They're like, Abuna, is there anything we can do for you? I said, yeah, can you watch my kids for a couple hours? They're like, you know, Abuna, we have our prayers, and we have our readings. I'm like, you would never... Be able, I don't care if you fasted for the rest of your life. You would never have the grace to be able to take care of these three boys for two hours. Okay. It's very hard. It is very hard. And really, marriage, if you want to be a saint, get married. You want to be a saint, you want to be a martyr, get married. Okay. And marry a woman if you can. Like, like that will really help you get there much quicker. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> a lot of sharp eyes in the crowd. <laughs> But marriage is to make you holy. It's not to make you happy. First, I need to take a step back and say, hey, is that the goal of my life? Is that the goal of my life? Do I want to be holy? Do I care that I should become like Christ? If that's not on my radar, then marriage is going to be very, very painful and painful to endure. Because when the hard times come, and they will come, Whatever, however cute they look in their profile picture, that ain't going to do nothing when you have big problems and somebody lost their job and we have a mortgage payment or we have a sick parent that we have to take care of or a child that needs extra care. The the pretty profile picture isn't going to do anything for you. Really, really important for us to understand that. So our type of sanctification, monks wake up at 3 a.m., they do their prayers. This is how they do their... We... In marriage, we deal with the struggles of marriage, and that makes us more like Christ. And when you have this mindset, you will be able to face your challenges so much easier knowing that this is to make you holy, not to make you happy, because she's not making me happy, or he's not making me happy right now in the moment. doesn't matter, but you are definitely becoming holy through this trial. Do you agree with me? Do you agree with me that you are being tried and you are being purified, and you are being humbled, and you are being brought to your knees. These are things that when we look, we have to understand what marriage is. You see, I found there's a tremendous amount of immaturity within me that my marriage directly confronted. If the purpose of marriage is simply to enjoy an infatuation and make me happy, then I would have to get married every two or three years. Because the infatuation is going to die down after two years. Infatuation, scientists say, goes anywhere from 12 months, and I'll explain what it is, 12 months to 18 months of infatuation. Like we're in love, and they're so great, and I'm going to explain what that is in a second. But the goal is to be holy, not happy. If I really wanted to see God transform me from the inside out, I'd need to concentrate on changing myself rather than on changing my spouse. If I really want to do things right 
and I want to become like Christ, that as I get into the conflicts of marriage, the first thing I need to look at is what is wrong with me? What do I need to change? Often when I get couples, they come into the office and they're, they're, they're going at it with each other. And maybe the husband is like 95% wrong. But I ask her, is there even just 1% of this that has something to do with you? Can you identify what that 1% is? And then when she begins to talk about that and we start to expound on it, you say, okay, like I get it. He's 95% of the problem. But those few things that you're doing are really pushing him over the edge. And then if you begin to look and say, I am, even if I'm 1% of the problem, maybe I started the whole problem. Maybe I started the volcano, right? The volcano erupted from him, but I kind of lit the match. I'm the one that kind of lit the match for the bomb. So the first thing in any conflict in marriage is I need to look at myself and I say, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? And stop there. And how much have you struggled through that? How much have you prayed through that? How much have you fasted for that? We have fasts twice a week, all year round. How much have you fasted for those struggles of the little things that I do that cause issues in my marriage? The more difficult my spouse is or proves to be, the more opportunity I have to grow. The more difficult my spouse is, the more opportunity I have to grow. Do you see where a mindset can totally change? Because if it's all about me becoming happy and she doesn't know how to, God forbid something happened to her, she was yelled at at work, embarrassed in front of everybody, she lost a loved one, her child is sick. This mother cannot make you happy at this point right now in her life. She can't. I don't care what you're expecting, what you need, what you hope for, she cannot. And she won't. This time is a time to teach you to be holy. To be like Christ. You have challenges in your marriages or in your future marriages for for our young people that are waiting for marriage. You will have challenges in your marriage that every day you're going to have to look back and say, all right, Lord, I want to become like you. I want to become gentle in my words. I want to become passionate. I want to become loving and sacrificial. I want to become selfless. I want to become pure. I want to become um, hospitable. I want to become something so special because that's who you are, Lord. So now, Lord, teach me in this moment. That is the mindset. But now, if, if spiritual life and the walk with Christ is not on your radar, chances are, like we're seeing in America, that it's very hard to make a marriage last long. 50%. 50% of of the marriages in this country, and I think it's even reaching 60%, are failing. All right. If the relationship is right, we won't make such severe demands on our marriage, asking each other, expecting each other to compensate for our spiritual emptiness. So I'll tell you, your need for your spouse, everything that you are complaining for, a lot of the times it's because of your own spiritual emptiness. I want you guys to look at this picture. In the Bible, 
Jeremiah talks about these cisterns or these like vessels of water that are broken and they hold no water. And so you yourself can't hold water. You're not filled. You yourself are empty. And so you are making demands on your spouse to do backflips for you, to make you happy, and they just can't do much. I'll tell you something. I want you to understand this. If your spouse is a perfect 10 in everything, if they are Prince Charming or the the greatest, most lovely woman in the whole world, the Bible and the Psalm says the heart is very deep. If you have this much need, your perfect spouse can fill this much. You say, then what happens with the rest? She's perfect. She's loving. She serves you. She's, she, she's caring for you. She speaks kind words to you. But she can only do so much because you have a vessel that is so deep. The heart that you have is so deep. And the only thing that will fill that spiritual emptiness is a deep connection with God. Which is why we have saints that could live in the desert without anyone loving them. But they're crazy in love with God. They're crazy in love with God. And they can go for 60 years, 60 years living off of like a, a, a dates in the middle of the desert. You're like, what are you, how did you do that? Is that I was never empty. But chances are the struggles within your marriage or your future marriages or your relationships are because you yourself are empty. You're empty. And so you're making demands, expecting the other to, to go through hoops, but it's not going to work. But my wife can't be God and my husband can't be God. And I want to I make this very, very clear. Your wife can't be God and your hus- husband can't be God. If you are not happy in your marriage, chances are you're not happy in your life because it's not your marriage's fault. It's, this is broken. We even teach that in the spiritual life, so for example, there's marriage books that talk about filling each other's love tanks. And for a little bit, I, I'm okay with it. But I'm also not okay with it. Meaning, I encourage you, I like give you nice words and then if your love tank is full, you can give me. But like I said, love should come from up, not from your spouse. Meaning, if I'm constantly being filled with the love of God, this is how our love should be so it's not selfish, even in the world, as servants, as, as Christians, that love comes from up and I pour out from the overflow of God's love. It is not, you fill my cup, I'll fill yours. It's going to be uneven. It's going to be limited. Like I said, if this is your vessel, this is your heart, the perfect spouse can do this. Can do this. Well, how do I fill all this? Money? Well, we don't have money. Uh, no. It's coming from up through a life of worship. A life of worship. So I want you to kind of take us a, a, a second right now. Young people who are not married, I want you to think about what it is that you are feeling. If you are longing for somebody to love you, that's wonderful. But how great would it be is that you were so filled that he loves me or doesn't love me, I'm going to love him. Or she's, I'm going to love her. I'm just going to give her because I have an overflow. And the model of that is the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons loving each other. It's described as like a divine dance. They're always like together, sharing everything together, okay? That when the Holy Trinity's love for one another overflowed, then they what? 
the created man so that that love would have somewhere to go. So God didn't create you because he wants your love. God created you because he wanted to pour love into you. This is a change of mind. This is a change of mind. We're finding struggles within marriages and arguments and lack of peace and fights and anger and silence for days. And we're so, we can't tolerate each other. And, and we lack the, 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 even the desire to be intimate or to connect. Why? Just because we can't stand each other. You know why? Because you're empty. You're not getting love from up. And your broken spouse has nothing to give you right now. And so, it's a cycle that's never going to end. She doesn't respect you, so you can't give her love. And because you don't give her love, she, she doesn't respect. And we just keep going in circles. Somebody has to break that cycle. Well, Abuna, I would love to break the cycle to love my wife when she doesn't respect me, but I don't have it in me. I know, because you're waiting for her to give it to you. It has to come from up. It has to come from up. Our shallow spiritual lives and our shallow connections with God aren't going to do it. The praying in the shower or praying on my you know, five-minute uh, commute to work or whatever it is, that's not going to do it. I need to be filled because I have somebody in front of me that is longing not just for my selfish manipulative love. I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. They are longing for a divine love coming from up. That this love coming from up is filling me and that I'm giving them not just my limited selfish love, but giving them a divine love. That will knock her socks off. That will make her so excited for, for connection and for bonding or him is that when you are just offering divine love, yes, is she going to want more intimacy? 100%. Because she found Christ in front of her. She found Christ in front of her. This is where we have a challenge. First Corinthians 7.39 says this. A wife is, let's not pay attention to the first part. I mean, no, this is not what I'm talking about. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. You know what this passage is telling us? That you can choose whoever you want to marry. It's your choice. Marry whoever you want to marry. In the Lord. Like, understanding that you are in the Lord. But even more than that. When you are choosing, what are you choosing based off of? There are predictable and unpredictable things that are going to take place in your, in your marriages. God lets you choose who you will face the challenges of life with. Things predictable and unpredictable. Predictable could be one day we're going to get old. So, okay, like somebody needs to be able to, we need to take care of each other. Unpredictable, God forbid a child gets sick. A child drowns in the pool. A bad accident. Somebody becomes paralyzed. Somebody has a terminal illness. Your parent is going through very, very difficult time or they're alone or they're widowed. I need a companion. However gorgeous she is, isn't going to matter at that moment. True or not true? But if you are putting so many things in the bucket of good looks or these are the common criteria People choose their spouse on. And I'm talking about the world. 
But now the church is starting to reflect the world, and this is so bad. Sexual chemistry, romantic attraction, and relational compatibility. We're compatible. We both like cooking. We both like sports. We both um, love tizbaha. We both, there, there are things that you, and these things are, are good, but you can't build a marriage on these things. Like I said, when the unpredictable happens, when the unpredictable happens, I really hope you made a good choice. That you made a choice and you say, I chose a woman that is going to stand by me, that is going to love me when it's hard, that is going to be wise when it's come to, to deal with my teenage kids, that's going to be patient with me when I'm in a funk. And I found a husband that knows how to lead in the Word of God and that is filled with the Spirit of God and that is wise and strong and willing to carry when something happens. Things happen. If, if she loves you because you make a lot of money, you can buy her a nice fancy house and fancy car, anybody can lose a job. Anybody can lose a job. You can go from here to here in the snap of a finger, and I see it all the time. I see it all the time. That the white picket fences and the fancy this and that, gone in a second. Why? Life, life threw us a, a wrench. Life threw us something different. Well, now, okay, we, we don't have the fancy car that I fell in love with or the fancy house that I fell in love with or the fancy vacations. Now I just have you. This isn't what I signed up for. I signed up for the white picket fence. Whoa. So be careful. There are some people that they, they cry tears of joy and cry tears of misery. Some people cry tears of misery because their spouse... Having, choosing the wrong spouse has ruined their life. Nothing kills me more than sitting in a, in a, in a, in like a counseling session. I say like, you didn't see the signs before? Like, oh, we kind of, we fought and we were like, even right before the marriage, even Abuna was like, didn't want to bless our marriage. But like, we, 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 we already paid for the reception. Great. Good for you. There were couples that came to me literally two weeks before, and I say, I will never bless your wedding. And they begged, and they begged, and they begged, and please, and we're going to change, and we promise Abuna, and they were crying, and they hugged. The natures are not God-fearing. The natures don't know Christ, and so, until now, dealing with this marital issue for, for now like eight years, and I'm like, I should have never blessed that marriage. And even one of the spouses says, Abuna, I'll never forget. It rings in my ears when you said that you weren't going to bless our marriage. I should have let you just end it for us. Heartbreaking. You say, okay, well, where does that go in your sermon? You're going to be sanctified until death. Like, it doesn't have to be martyrdom. It doesn't have to be martyrdom, right? It's not, it doesn't, it's not meant to be martyrdom. But, yeah, there's difficulty and there's challenges, but there are some choices that will ruin your life. And there are some choices that you will think, okay, maybe he wasn't the most handsome man in the world, but he is going to love me in my bed of sickness. He is going to take care of me until the day I, I, I die. He loves my parents more than I do. That one of my sick parents who has uh, dementia or has a sickness or has whatever, and now they need someone to take care of them, and he's, you bring them in and he's changing the diapers of, of his mother-in-law. That's amazing. It's a man 
that loves the Lord and is being filled by God. You've got to make this choice wisely, but on the right, on the right stance. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Does it say, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in everything but marriage? In everything but marriage? Like, okay, he goes to church, he's a deacon. Excuse me, deacons, I was a deacon. If he's a deacon, run the other way. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just But like, sometimes we breed bad behaviors in the deacons, okay? Like, that means nothing to me. That means nothing to me. Does he know how to be on his knees? Does he know how to say sorry? Does he know how to say forgive me? Is he in the word of God? That the word, because I said this before, I don't remember where I said it, but us men sometimes we're so stubborn, we don't want to hear it from our spouse. But if I hear it from here, that's, that's, that's even better. That if I'm in the word of God and the word of God is telling me, you're being proud, you need to ask for forgiveness. I won't hear it from my wife. But I'll definitely hear it from God. You need a man, li kabir. He has somebody that's, that's above him in authority. I'm talking about God's word and God himself. That he's above him and, and, and God is directing his steps. Seek first the kingdom of God in your marriage. Marriage is meant to be sought to seek the kingdom of God together and to find a partner that I don't have to drag, kicking and screaming the whole way to the kingdom. I hate going to church. The liturgy's so long. The Bible's so boring. You pray too long. Like, all of these things, if you're dragging him on the floor to get to the kingdom, you, you killed yourself. This verse applies to everything. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in your marriage. And when you choose a spouse or... And all these things shall be added to you. All the beautiful things in marriage will be added to you if his kingdom and his righteousness are part of the equation. Like I said, be careful if you are marrying for the wrong reasons. Something called idealization. When you like see like the ideals of a person that no one else sees. You know, when you ascribe strengths to a person that no one else would. Somebody, there are two people, they're dating, and the guy picks up a napkin off the floor and throws it away. You're like, look, he's so environmental. <laughs> You're like, I want to kill you, lady. Like, like, grow up, okay? Or he's angry. No, 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 he's not angry. He's passionate. Inshallah. <laughs> he's passionate. No, he's a monster. He's a monster. And so you've idealized him or her, and everyone around you doesn't see it. Be careful of that. That if you see something, you see all of these beautiful things, you say, because I have a pure heart, nobody else can see the beauty in his heart. Because it's covered by all the things that are on the outside that are making them crazy. Okay? You have to be very, very cautious to not be stuck in this idealization that, no, 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 Abu Bal, you just don't know her. She's so this or she's so that. Nobody else sees it. Be careful if nobody else sees it. And you are trying to sell everyone. If you are trying to sell me, 
on this person and you are digging deep and the person is not like budging, it's like, hmm, it's a no. If everybody around you is like, hey, congratulations. No. You want, you want your spiritual father to say, he's a good man. She's a good girl. You have a good life together. Because he, 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 he sees the struggle. That a person is struggling in their spiritual life. That they're going to get there. Maybe they're not there yet, but they're going to get there. They're on the path. I tell this to all the young people. Is he or she at least on the path to growth? I'm not talking about they don't know where the path is. I'm talking about like, okay, maybe he's like a, a quarter of a mile behind you. But he, he's struggling and he's getting there and he's praying and he's reading and he's, he's seeking guidance and he's getting advice and mentorship. Good. But if he's not on the path, he doesn't know anything about the kingdom, he'll never get you there. He'll never get you there. And that is your goal, to become like Christ. I want to take a pause for a second. Maybe you are that spouse right now. You are that spouse right now that is not on the path, don't care. There's still hope for you and for your marriage. It doesn't take years. I've seen people in a true true commitment with Christ in a few months be a different person. I've seen it. So if this is not you and you're far, start. Get on the path. Find guidance. Be honest with yourself. Start to struggle. If your wife is crying or your husband is crying every single night because of this marriage, repent. Repent. You are going to make that spouse and all of the children, if you have children, suffer because you don't want to see it. There was a couple recently that said, well, let's talk to Abuna. No, we don't need to talk to Abuna. I'm not going to talk to Abuna. I'm like, run. If he's not going to talk to the spiritual guide that is leading you already, like he, and he doesn't want to hear it, run. Keep running as far as you can and don't look back. Nobody will correct her or him. I don't care what Abuna says. I don't care what your dad says. I don't care what my dad says. Run. They don't want to be holy. They don't want to be holy. They don't want to follow God and they will never find God because they will never hear it from anywhere. They won't read their Bible. They won't speak to their spiritual father. They won't, they're never going to hear it. I don't know what to tell you. This is a challenge for us couples or future couples that we're not on the path and we don't know anything about his kingdom or his righteousness. Find it. But don't ask for marriage any other way. Because marriage is difficult. Marriage is hard. Is it love or is it infatuation? Don't marry because of infatuation. If she's hot, maybe it's not going to last forever. Okay? She one day will get wrinkles. She one day will have a baby. She one day, she's going to have things that's going to make her not so hot anymore. But like, if that's the only thing that you're building it on, let's listen to some of the, I know it's a little bit small. Okay, zoomable, very good. Difference is, a solid connection inspired by adoration, infatuation is a brief moment of immense attraction. Love takes moments to de- months to develop. Infatuation occurs almost instantaneously. We spent one evening together or afternoon together and I knew he was the one. You know nothing in the world. You know nothing in the world. 
okay? Be careful. And I, and I was speaking to somebody who was like 25, 26. He's in a relationship and they're struggling, whatever. And, and I said, after all of our discussions and, you know, they have like tension or whatever, I said, do you realize that you know nothing? I want you to understand that. He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know anything about myself. I don't know anything about relationships. I thought I was, you know, like, I know how to connect with people and I know how to bond with, I don't know anything. This is all infatuation. It's all infatuation. Now I need to get into the, the nitty gritty. An emotional bond could be love. Mainly physical and idealistic attraction is infatuation. Rational thinking guided by emotions. I tell a young man can take a relationship from here to here. You know, we're getting to know each other. We're on the phone. We're talking. And I say, you know, babe, if we have, sorry, when we have kids, he wants to be the father of my children. Like, we've known each other for two weeks. We're on the phone. And when we have kids, for now, he's taking the relationship from here to here. And now we are madly in love with each other. From one stupid word that he didn't know what he was saying. He didn't know what he was saying. And so all of a sudden, boom, a relationship just takes up to now. He's the father of my children. Like, I don't know your parents' names. Like, I don't know anything. But mutual trust versus mutual magnetism. Like, where we feel this, this magnet versus we trust each other. A deep understanding of flaws and imperfections. I always tell people, I had a couple one time tell me, Abuna, after like eight months of dating, we never fight. And, and like, I'm a bit witty and sarcastic. I'm like, never fight for eight months. Have you ever spoken? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, you're talking about, like, the, the colors of the leaves? Like, like, do you guys have opinions about anything? And I promise you. And I'm trying, and I'm doing the premarital counseling, and everything is perfect. They know everything I'm saying, and they've been dating, and they're both 24, okay? 24, and, and everything's magical. They get married, mafish. Three days after the honeymoon. I'm like, you had your first fight? You had your first fight after nine months, but three days after your wedding, you're not real with each other. You're not real with each other. You're wearing masks. And this is the last one. Couples present themselves as they are versus couples show each other only the best of their personality traits. Look, man, we all read the same book. We know to open the door and uh, pay the bill. Like, we all know the same things. That doesn't make you anything. That doesn't make you anything. These are the challenges for us to be able to look into our life and see where we're at. Just I want to challenge you something. I don't know why. Huh? Oh, because it's zoomed in. Thank you. I was like, what happened to my brother? It's not about who you marry, but why you marry. Some people, because they're not infatuated, they don't go forward in a relationship. They're not feeling the chemistry and the lovey-doveyness and whatever. Don't do that. It's not about who you marry, but it's about why you marry. It's that we want to go to the kingdom. We want to be Christ-like. We want to serve one another. We want to grow we want to build God's kingdom outside of this house. We want to be a team going out and serving others. It's not who you marry, but it's why you marry. And I hope this changes our mentality on what I'm choosing. There's a lot of things that are going to mean nothing after 20 years. 20 years, you're like, what was I thinking? You weren't. You were 25. 
What did you know as a 25? I can't expect you to know anything as a 25-year-old because you're 25. You've been working for two years. Like, you only have to get a lot of advice and a lot of guidance and a lot of challenging and make sure that you have some accountability and some back and forth. It's so important. It's not about who you marry, but why. I want you to understand that no one is so stimulating that you can keep them excited for five decades. Okay? Like, he is so this, and we're so in love. You know, I've spoken to people that, you know, they, they were in relationships, and they broke up, and they found a new one. And I say, but this one, Abuna, we're so in love. So I say, okay, tell me about the last one. Remember Johnny? Were you in love with Johnny? Yeah. But that's different. Okay, so love is not the criteria anymore, because you were in love with so-and-so, and that person is no longer in your life and didn't work out. You guys hate each other's guts. Even though you were what? In love. Throw the in love thing out the window. Okay? Be very, very careful to understand that infatuation does not keep a marriage going for 50 years. The, the, how cute she is, how funny he is, how sweet he is or she is. All this stuff is wonderful. But now I need to understand that we want to be married for a long time. And so she's the most difficult person, he's the most difficult person, but we both want to become like Christ, and so we're going to humble ourselves and serve and say, forgive me, and say, how can I help you, honey? How can I be there for you? I'll take care of you tonight. I know that you're sick. I got the kids, okay? This is, this is the heart that we are looking for. Selfishness doesn't last. St. John Chrysostom says this, when husband and wife are united in marriage, they no longer seem like something earthly, but rather like the image of God himself. St. John, what marriage were you looking at? That you saw two people, and you saw the image of God himself, of love and selflessness and purity and holiness and sacrifice and giving. That's the beauty of a holy marriage. It is not difficult to grow deeper in love with a spouse seeking his righteousness. When you see a person that is growing every day, a person that is working on themselves, they had a habit of gossiping, they're no longer gossiping. They used to sit on the couch and watch TV, now they're up helping with the dishes and changing diapers. And when you see this, it is not hard to fall in love with that person again. It is not hard to find, fall in love with a person that started like sacrificing and, and, and meeting and growing and praying and on their knees in their room. When you walk in the room, you see... Your, your wife or your husband on their knees with their hands folded, crying to the Lord. That's very attractive. That's very, very attractive. That's a very beautiful thing to see that when my spouse loves the Lord and they wake up early to be in his word, say, I don't care how ugly they got. They are the most gorgeous person in your life because they're so beautiful and they love the Lord. Seek his righteousness. Seek his kingdom. You have to understand that marriage is a mirror. It's a mirror to help you see what you, what's inside of you. Your pride, your entitled, your selfish, your weaknesses. Like when you are married and these conflicts happen, all of a sudden you see anger. You're like, okay, I have anger hidden inside of me. I have selfishness inside of me. I, I was selfish. I realize I'm selfish. Marriage is a mirror that should tell you who you are. It should say, you are, if, you're, if your spouse says, you're always serving me, you should be proud of yourself. Say, you know what, 
Yeah, because I love, I love God and I love you. And I, and I will continue to serve you. Sorry, honey, I haven't been the best spouse lately, but I, I, I cherish the fact that you are always serving me. That's a beautiful thing to see a spouse serving in the face of nothingness because they're taking it from up. Marriage reveals so much. Last thing is, I want you to understand that you married God's daughter or son. God is your father-in-law, okay? God is your father-in-law. And that the way you love your spouse should be how you love God. The way you want to love your spouse and give to your spouse and humble yourself is the same way that you should love the Lord himself, okay? Because I would not want my father-in-law to say, oh, I heard that you threw something at my daughter. Say, because she threw something first. No, I, I wanted you to be the one that was wise and calm and discerning and knew how to calm the situation and be that word of wisdom at the right time. May God give us glorious marriages. For the next uh, three more weeks, we're going to be talking about marriage. I don't want our single people to be like discouraged or whatever. Feel. I want you to learn. I would love for you to hear all of these messages so that you would do things right. Glory be to God forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.